Dylan was, he was a revolutionary, man. The way that, the way that Elvis freed your body, Bob freed your mind. This is Bob Dylan, about man and God and law. Standing on the water, casting your bread, while the eyes of the idol with the iron head are glowing. Distant ships sailing into the mist, it were part of the snake in both of your fists, while a hurricane was glowing. Freedom, just around the corner for you. But with truth so far off, what good will it do? Joker man dance to the nightingale tune. In 1983, Bob Dylan released the album Infidels. Infidels, of course, are religious outlaws by another name. The ones who live outside the law, to be honest, in their own way, and go it alone. Maybe they know the Bible too well to keep it. Maybe they think they know what's really going on under the hood of holy writ and can't stand it. At least on the face of things. They chuck the Bible out of an open window of that old jalopy where it lands on the side of the road, tires squealing as the infidel guns it and gets free like poor Thelma and Louise. Waits once described the wonder of finding a pair of baby shoes and a Bible by the side of the highway. When you find such artifacts abandoned, Tom Waits said, you knew there was one heck of a story somewhere out there. There was something happening there, but you didn't know what it was. That's what it's like to follow the trails and the trials and the tribulations of infidels. Bob Dylan's 1983 record, Infidels, is a great album, haunting and touching for its songs, but also touched and haunted by the songs Dylan threw out of the studio window to the side of the road and didn't release despite producer Mark Knopfler's best efforts. These include... Blind Willie McTell, which may be one of the greatest songs Dylan ever wrote. Joker Man is, for me, not only the linchpin of the album, but also for an entire period of Dylan's wandering, an era where you might say he was not quite sure where he was going as a songwriter, a musician, an icon, a performer, and maybe even as a person.
that's the period from the last Born Again record, as it were, Shot of Love in 1981, all the way to Good As I've Been To You in 1992, when Bob Dylan launched a reclamation project of the early 20th century influences that had captured and shaped his imagination when he first started out. The song Joker Man itself hinges on a curriculum, not quite the musical curriculum of Griel Marcus's Old Weird America and Invisible Republic, though the spirit of those worlds is in there. In Joker Man, the self-taught Dylan, by then an infidel dissembling a fundamentalist Christian faith that he couldn't accept fully anymore, at least that seemed to be the case, reveals the essential texts and schools of thought that help him get through this thing we call life. Well, the book of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the law of the jungle and the sea, are your only teachers. Now let's check the course book for a moment. What is this curriculum all about? First, Leviticus, the book of the Hebrew Bible most aligned with the priestly cult of ancient Israel, an operator's manual for the temple and all of its sacrifices and rituals. It is a book about purity, hierarchy, and above all else, the precise measurements of how to bring the divine into interaction with the world. Notably, in traditional Judaism of the pre-modern era, it was also the first book that children were taught, even before Genesis, even before the in the beginning of monotheistic history. Then comes the book of Deuteronomy, which means the repeating in Greek. It's a reprise of all of the preceding four books of the Hebrew Bible in condensed form. It's a Bible for your wallet. It's the greatest hits with a new single or two in the mix that you may not have heard before, just to keep it lively. Then Dylan wanders far from the Bible to the law of the jungle. I hear in this a world without law, pure nature, no farms, no farmers, no cultivation, and surely no sacred texts, just raw life, wild and chock full of danger, a place where no joker man should ever really be unless he is all in to whatever game of complete chance, or whatever joke wild nature will bring him. And then finally, there's the sea. Ask any poet or Herman Melville or some of the 50 million people who make a living on the sea today, many of them living like slaves. Ask them about the wisdom that makes humanity seem like less than a grain of sand when living amongst the ways and the waves of the sea. This is where all of Moby Dick's sailors but cast-off teller of tales Ishmael drown, and Captain Ahab's 116th dream makes him go mad. of Leviticus and Deuteronomy, the law of the jungle and the sea are your only teachers. 
In some sense, religion and religious authority, sacred text and true believers, the essence of the Bible and what it represents, these are all, these are all humanity's attempt to control the law of the jungle and the sea. The Bible presses order upon nature. This is the story of the Garden of Eden, the Bible's first narrative in which God creates a hierarchy of creation in which humans are king, but they can't handle the freedom they're given. They give in to their needy natures and as such are bound to a social religious system outside of the garden that eventually leads to the Israelite descendants of Adam and Eve, those children of Israel, receiving the law, the Bible. From the Garden of Eden to Mount Sinai, the Bible gives people, especially especially clerics and kings and peasants at the top and bottom rungs of the world's ladders, respectively, a tool for holding or at least imagining a power to control the law of the jungle and the sea for the sake of their own sanity, safety, and above all, control. The Bible, the law, religious law, that's what we're here to talk about. Season three of the podcast that made the book about man and God and law, The Spiritual Wisdom of Bob Dylan, available wherever sacred and profane books are sold. We're talking those Bob Dylan and the Bible blues. I'm your host, Stephen Daniel Arnoff, author, teacher, and Bible geek. Welcome to the next installment of a mini-season within a season with a life of its own, Bob Dylan and the book, Chapter 6. Bob Dylan and the Bible. It's said that it's humanity's all-time bestseller, with Harry Potter pushing hard toward number two, we hope. But the question that we're interested in exploring is, what is the Bible to Bob Dylan and the world of imagination and salvation that he has shaped over well over half a century of parsing the Bible and the world? Now, obviously, we can't cover the whole of the Bible here. For starters, we're speaking of the Hebrew Bible, which is what I mean from now on when I say Bible. That's the Old Testament, the compendium of the five books of Moses, prophets, and writings. I'm leaving the New Testament to those better suited to address it. For Dylan, saying the Bible undoubtedly includes both Old and New Testaments. But for this conversation, it's Genesis through Chronicles. Yes, that's the last book of the Hebrew Bible, Chronicles, Volume 2. Think about that, Dylan Bibliophiles. There has been so much written about Dylan and the Bible. I talk about it a lot in my book. All of the music that formed the folk, gospel, country, traditional musics that shaped the musical imagination of Dylan and everyone else in his range of experience from Elvis and Woody Guthrie to Little Richard and Sister Rosetta Tharp pulled buckets of rain from the well of the Bible. See Christopher Ricks. For the literary point of view, Seth Rogovoy for the Jewish textual framing and all kinds of books and talks and concordances online and in print parsing Dylan and biblical tropes. But for our part, we're going to try to focus on the top 10, the top 10 of the biblical charts, those 10 commandments. The result here is the Ten Commandments of Bob Dylan. It's our attempt to suggest the principles of his spiritual worldview, taken from the songs and sayings, capsulized in each case by a key phrase, 
but also channeling something of a spiritual value of contemporary use. This is the Bible or the biblical lesson we're looking for. And spoiler alert, here they are. Bob Dylan's Ten Commandments, all taken, please, please, with a grain of salt. Be humble. Expect change. Show up. Believe. Think for yourself. Suffer through. Love. Let go. Study. Make music. You walk into the room With your pencil in your hand You see somebody naked You say, who is that man? You try so hard But you don't understand Just what you will say When you get home But there's something Yes, like Tom Waits, you know something's happening, but you don't know what it is. Ballad of the Thin Man says it. It says humility. Be humble. Moses is literally called the humble one in rabbinic literature, a characterization covering millennia of interpretation. Medieval master Maimonides, the Rambam, whose given name was also Moses, may have called Moses Israel's number one prophet. But tradition cites Moses time and time again as a figure whose driving value is humility. He was said to stutter, was weary of being a spokesperson for anyone, let alone an entire nation, let alone for God. His failures were such that even after doing the impossibly miraculous, speaking with the divine, freeing the slaves from Egypt, parting the Red Sea, and bringing the Torah itself down to earth, Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land before being buried in an unmarked grave. Be humble or go home, though you can never go home again, it seems, is the lesson. There is no reward for service beyond the service itself. Be humble. There will always be something happening here. And you often won't know what it is. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Commandment number two, accept change. In the song to Ramona and to everyone else, Dylan sings, everything passes, everything changes. Do what you think you should do. The times they are a-changin'. I accept chaos. I hope it accepts me, Dylan once said. The Greek version of this is Heraclitus, who taught that a person can never immerse him or herself in the river of life as the same person or even in the same river more than once. There is nothing constant but for change. Kohelet, the Hebrew title of Ecclesiastes, teaches the same wisdom. We have no control over our lives, only the divine controls life, and the divine is inexplicably random. This is the image we were created in, the law of the jungle and the sea indeed. Commandment number three is show up. Going to Acapulco, Dylan says, stay away from pranks. That's our proof text, and here's why. The Bible, some say, is full of humor, but we just don't get it. After all, these jokes are thousands of years old, 70 generations before even the ancient borscht belt of ancient pasts. Uh, What's the difference between a good sense of humor and a prank? A good sense of humor is about a kind of resignation Despite the absurdity of the world, humor is a tool for resignation, a trait of Dylan's worldview we have cited again and again. That's what humor expresses, the ability to persevere in good spirit, not to fold when pressed with the weight of what doesn't make sense. But a prank is mean-spirited, a way of tricking a co-traveler or an innocent or schlemiel just to get a laugh, if not to hurt someone. pranks means not falling into blame or hiding when the going gets tough. It means showing up, 
holding fast, finding a way, while still being present. That's commandment number three. Show up. Number four in the Ten Commandments of Bob Dylan is believe. is unquestionably a man of faith. He believes he was chosen for a task and that even if he would rather have been a doctor or a teacher of Roman theology or have just rather been on a boat, he believes that he's living in the wondrous and immutably impossible to fully comprehend world made by a being he cannot understand. And God knows, not the romantic melancholy sweetness of the Beach Boys, God only knows. Dylan sings, God knows there's a purpose. God knows there's a chance. God knows you can rise above the darkest hour of any circumstance. Believe, Dylan says. Have faith. That's number four. going to work on Maggie's farm no more. That's the song that offered the line that sprung these 30 plus episodes of the podcast and, and the book too, about man and God and law. Maggie's farm. To not work on Maggie's farm means to be a rebel with a cause. To disdain received wisdom unless you can prove it as true yourself. To flaunt labels. To be your own person. To not follow leaders and to watch the parking meters as he says in subterranean homesick blues you think for yourself you do your own thing you don't buy what they're selling iconoclasm like abraham smashing the idols of his father's idol shop for the future king david a young punk who gets to the top by punking goliath and if you want it here it is come and get it but you better hurry because it's going fast this is commandment number five think for yourself. At number six, with a bullet, almost, almost is suffering. This is a paradigm of Buddhism. To live is to suffer. The essence of human life is suffering. 
every tradition has its version of no pain, no gain. The phrase, among so many, that captures this cardinal rule for Dylan might sound funny. It might sound like a prank, and it certainly has a double entendre, and it goes like this. Everybody must get stoned. Yes, it is true. Everybody's got to serve somebody. But it's more than that. If you have to get high to get through things, this can only provide temporary relief. Everyone must get stoned means that everybody somewhere sometime is going to know how does it feel to be a complete unknown, to be an outcast, a toiling, roiling, rolling stone, being battered. Or punished, everybody must get stoned. Everyone is on the cusp of being a kind of martyr. To live is to suffer. But don't don't bogart that joint, my friend. It's okay. You're not you're not special. Everybody hurts sometimes. No one gets out of here alive. But it is true for all of us. Accept suffering as part of what is shared in being human. The scholar Martin Buber, who coined the phrase I and thou called the Bible itself a saga of narratives of failures, one after the other. How about Job, the ultimate sufferer? Remember what Dylan said about his saga, Job's saga, the book of Job? One of the most exciting and inspirational books of the Old or New Testaments. He wrote in his own book, The Philosophy of Modern Song, which we took to heart in the previous episode of this podcast. Suffering, Job's suffering, which resonates with Dylan. It's a sign of being touched by the divine in so many ways, not abandoned by it. Number seven, and he knew it was coming soon, is love. Love, and only love, it can't be denied. Now I'm sitting on the terrace offered a whole episode on Dylan in Love in episode five, way back in season one, which was one of my favorite episodes to make. And in some ways, the most profound song Dylan ever made love with is quite recent. I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Such a masterpiece. This stone-cold classic of a love song is about love in its deepest sense, a song of trust and submission. Now, humor helps. Resignation, too. Maybe getting stoned. There are so many tools in the toolkit applied 
by any of us or all of us to get through this thing we called life. But none offers a greater risk reward than love. Your partner, your kids, your friends, your country, your favorite pair of shoes, your God. Pick your poison or pick all of them. But whatever you do, when you do, you know, like the Beatles, that all you need is love. My eyes Like a shooting star It looks there Nothing here or there Looks nothing near or far No one ever told me It's just Something I knew I've made up my mind to give myself to you. Eight. Commandment eight is let it go. Herein lies one of the many paradoxes natural to any canon attempting to bear truth to its innermost parts. As it says in the Bible, speaking of the essence of Torah itself, Elu Elu. Both this thing and that thing are true. Even paradoxes, in their way, direct opposites, are true. Somewhere in the mix of love is suffering. Suffering is also love. Everything passes. You know that ultimately all of us must let go, even of the most precious thing, which is life itself. So I'll bid farewell and be down the road Dylan sings in Restless Farewell, a song based on an old drinking song that he sang to toast Frank Sinatra at 80 years old. What is more absurd or more poetic than saying fairly well to whatever or whomever you love? To let go is in some ways the manifestation or the proof of a value like humility, to know that there is something greater even in the things we cling to the tightest for ultimate meaning, letting go. I'm thinking about Joseph turning to weep in the anteroom, a king in Egypt, after being cast away from his family, who have now returned due to a famine in Canaan and don't even recognize him. He hung his head and cried like young Bob Dylan over a hobo died frozen in the gutter. Joseph had to let go of his expectations, his longing, his anger, his fear, his family and strap on his bravery, and call upon the forces of resilience in his bones, and let go of the past. Let it go. If you want to know what it means to live and be who you are at your essence, let it go. Command number nine is not capsulized by a snippet from a song, but rather from an interview in the New York Times, one of the most widely circulated quotes of latter-age Dylan. Those old songs, he told John Perellis, are my lexicon and my prayer book. We're calling this commandment the commandment to study. Teach all of the commandments to your children, the Bible says. Pass on tradition, the memory of how things are done. 
Ask what Johnny Cash or Jimmy Rogers would do. What would Lead Billy or Woody or Cisco Houston do? These were far from angelic figures, but Dylan always has loved his outlaws living outside the law, to be honest. They didn't lead with a playbook. They did not act in accordance to a singular system the way that religious people do, the way that so-called believers. These outlaws recorded their feelings, observations, frustrations, switchblade glinting in the sun, horns up, tired, frustrated, elated, broken, and it's all in the songs that Dylan studies so well. The songs add up to everything, almost like all of the Torahs contained in the Ten Commandments. Everything is contained for Dylan in the songs. So if you want to know how to live, you learn them. And as the commandment number nine declaims, you know your song well before you start singing. Study number nine. And this brings us to commandment number 10, which is the essence of how we know more about Dylan's worldview than any other of those commanded ways by far. And that is the commandment to play the commandment to make music. Number 10. Lay down your weary tune, lay down, lay down the song you strum, and rest yourself neath the strength of streams. No voice can hope to By the sounds before the sun, I knew the night had gone. The morning breeze like a bugle blew. It's embedded in the last thoughts on Woody Guthrie that he shared when his hero had died. It's shared in the wondrous song, Lay Down Your Weary Tune, Lay Down. It's the Psalms of the Levites. It's the chanting of the Torah itself, above all else, to communicate all that you know and all that you wish to be. It is a never-ending song to sing. And that's the commandment to play, to make music, to sing. The seaweed's woven strands The crashing waves like the cymbals crash Against the rocks and the sands Lay down your weary tune Lay down, lay down the song you strung And rest yourself neath the strength of streams No voice can hope to in a 1984 interview, a year after the release of Infidels, the album with which we started, Dylan said, I'm a religious person. I read the scriptures a lot, meditate and pray, light candles in church. I believe in damnation and salvation as well as predestination, the five books of Moses, Pauline epistles, invocation of the saints, all of it. You're a literal believer in the Bible? Dylan was asked. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I am, he said. Are the Old and New Testaments equally valid? To me. And this is where we'll begin the next episode. Finally, moving off the pages of the book and the text into the land of what it means, what all of it means, 
what it might mean as season three draws slowly to a close. It's, it's a toss-up as to whether at the end of the day or at the end of times, the Bible as we have known it has done more good than harm. Perhaps no set of beliefs has ever done more violence to sacred texts than the strictly literal reading of the Bible. There is so much beauty and imagination beyond human sources or understanding in the Ten Commandments, let alone the Bible as a whole. But understood without deeper meanings, hints, secrets, and even accusations, all religious law can fall flat. And in the wrong hands, it's not just a cudgel to do the right thing, but a hammer. Next time, with the Bible, with race, with women, and much more, what do we do about the great Bob Dylan when he gets it all wrong in a world gone wrong? But in the meantime, remember, be humble, expect change, show up, believe, Think for yourself, suffer through, love, let go, study, and make music. No voice can hope to harm. This has been episode 11 of About Man and God in Law, the spiritual wisdom of Bob Dylan, the podcast that helped us make a book. Next time, we will be talking about what happens when bad things come out of the mouth of incredible singers. What happens? I look forward to seeing some of you in Tulsa in just a few weeks at the World of Bob Dylan. We are proud to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find us at pantheonpodcast.com for a cornucopia of podcasts for music lovers. I am Dr. Stephen Daniel Arnoff, your host. Thanks so much for coming. See you soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 